RadioInfluence.com. As America's zone coach, premier thought leader, and the world's number one coach of champions, Jim Fannin is the go-to person so you can become your genuine, authentic best self. He has guided the careers of some of the best pro athletes from 10 different sports and business executives from 50 industries. He's coached individuals, families, relationships, and students in simplifying and balancing their lives for more than 40 years. His success tools are not just for the superstar. They're designed to help you reach your full potential as you tap into life's most successful mindset, the zone. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show on Radio Influence. Hi, this is Jim Fannin. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. We're going to have a great show today. Uh, Seth Hurt, my producer and sidekick. Good morning. Hey, good morning. And, um, you know, we talk about the Zone Cafe every week. Which one of the five things you need to order, right? I got to tell you about how the Zone actually turned me in, made me look like a superhero on Saturday. Are you ready for this? Oh, I like superhero stories. (laughs) I can see you in a cape and a mask. So um, <laughs> I, uh, my wife and I, you know, we don't, we don't get a lot of summer in Wisconsin. So we're at the beach, which I think I've mentioned before. We try to get there about every week while, while it's warm, right? Right by our house. One of my business partners and best friends comes up, brings this new girlfriend. Exciting day. I decide um, that I just need a little bit of like mental white space. Um, and so it's my, you know, a day when I'm really trying to relax. And I just kind of tell the rest of the group, hey, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop in the surf. Really choppy day. And get about three quarters of a mile swimming, right? Which some people might find terrifying. I just absolutely love swimming in rough water. And I, I know oh, it's that's... only Lake Michigan. A lot of people <laughs> die there. It's not a big deal. But but there's no sharks. That's there the, are no sharks. There's no sharks. So I get out uh, a little bit beat up. And the waves are about two feet. And I had a great time out there and get out a little bit beat up, refreshed. We go to the car. We're driving. And uh, my wife's like... Yeah, you drop us off at the pizza place. You're going to need to run home real quick, and I'll order you something. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, look in the mirror. I look, and I've got a pretty full beard, like a lot of my Wisconsin brethren. Um, My beard is full of either algae or seaweed or something. And so um, everybody commented, I looked like Aquaman. So you turned me into Aquaman. Aqua, you were in the zone. (laughs) You you had no clue. I had no clue. Uh, Little barnacles on the beard. I I see. You know, the zone's one of the most favorite things in my life. It's a purposeful, calm feeling that nothing can go wrong. So obviously, you had that feeling (laughs) during that swim. Nothing could go wrong for Aquaman. Of Wisconsin. <laughs> you know, it, as we get into this topic of uh, visualization today, you know, I'm learning along with the rest of the audience um, how to implement these tactics in my life because it's not like we've known each other for years at that point. And as I've shared this with my friends and just said, okay, you got to try this out. You got to check this out, right? I think one of the, one of the most common responses I've got is um, that people are used to a different kind of, um, you know, maybe coaching or motivation or something like that. So they've been to a sales conference and like, wait a minute. This guy doesn't yell at me. And I'm like, well, no, this is all brain science. Uh, I mean, this is all proven tactics that we, um, uh, you know, that we're walking down the road together to implement in your life for you to be successful. Oh, there's a dark side if I need to really <laughs> motivate somebody. But, but. but for the most part, it's not like it's not it's not that. Uh, and you, you do you have to have tough conversations with your clients sometimes, right? I, I mean, do. You've, I you've do. been through. Very um, blunt. Yeah, very blunt. Some of the most I'm going to go ahead and say. 
some of those high profile, um, you know, public failures, you've actually been there and been able to talk through them. But most of all, it's that's that's not really uh, that's not your demeanor, right? Like, you're well, not. it's not. Well, first of all, you know, once you're in this zone state, and, and I found this early in my life, I was very blessed that I could facilitate this state at will. Now, I, I wasn't able to do that on the pro tennis tour. I, there were a lot of matches. Believe me, I was not in the zone. In fact, I, I tell everyone, you know, when I played in Europe, I, I lost in every country but Belgium. Okay. I've never been to Belgium. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I wasn't always in the zone. But I started learning about it. It, it is a physical, mental fusion. Eyes double, triple shutter speed, giving you the illusion, illusion everything's in slow motion. And um, uh, your entire body uh, is on ready alert, inordinate quickness, speed, agility, strength. Uh, it, it's really an amazing place to be. And it's not just for the superstar athlete. But one of the tools, Seth, that really can get you in this on a regular basis is probably the most powerful asset that most of us possess besides free will. Yeah. And of course, with free will, we're able to visualize or picture anything in our lives. And we can picture positives. We can picture negatives. I, I can go into the past and replay what happened. I can even tether my emotions to that. Uh, and I can also project into the future something that I might, might want. So the average person has two or 3,000 thoughts Radio a day, interest. and they're all in pictures. So if I'm hungry... I'm not thinking I'm hungry. I'm picturing something in you my want. mind that I would like to eat. Maybe it's something that I need from a nutritional value point of view. I don't, I don't even know why. I need liver. Uh, could you make uh, liver and onions, please? <laughs> well, maybe my body needed iron, and I'm not aware of it. All of a sudden, I have a taste for iron. But I picture liver and onions. I can even smell it. And, and that, that picture really uh, helps me manifest that for dinner. I've got a chef wife, so that makes it even easier. You, you know, apparently I have the palate of, um, you know, somebody much older than my 34 years because I absolutely love liver pate. Um, in Wisconsin, we have what's called supper clubs. And um, liver and onions is a very popular dish there. And everybody else in my generation is like, you, you like liver that much? I just do. I like liver. And apparently, maybe you did too, because well, it came I, to your I, mind. I weighed three pounds when I was born. I, I was a preemie, and my oh, wow. mother fed me with an eyedropper full of cod liver oil. And, and so that, my mother uh, determined that that's why I have this affinity for liver and onions. I mean, I, <laughs> I grew up uh, with an eyedropper full of cod liver oil, so maybe that's where I had that taste. But, you know, visualization is something, Seth, you, you, you did all day today. In fact, trust me on the math here. If you sleep eight hours every night, you're awake 112 hours a week. And I mentioned that last week, but you spend half of that time, 60-some hours a week, daydreaming, visualizing about things that you haven't given up on. And okay. it's from your basic needs. I, I could visualize, you know, why did you give me a dirty look? And I could replay that and go over that, over that, and over that. And I can conjure up me getting a little frustrated, maybe even angry. But that all came from what I visualized. So visualization is so powerful, especially uh, if you really want to accomplish something you never accomplished in your life. 
it's going to take you picturing it so before it can actually manifest. And we're going to get into some specific tactics here, like we do every week on things that can help you in whatever area of your life. Uh, it looks like whether that be um, you know, sport, a hobby, a career, um, a primary relationship, parenting, wherever you're at, we're going to talk about this. But we got to get into who's in the zone this week. So is, is it a very zone week here? Well, first of all, one of my clients locked into the zone and uh, J.D. Martinez. I've been coaching J.D. for some time. Uh, originally, the Houston Astros, um, he's a Major League Baseball player. They discard the guy. Okay. I'm coaching him. That, that was not a zone time. But he goes and, and gets picked up by the Tigers, Detroit Tigers. First game in the minor leagues, three home runs, one game. And the Tigers bring him up, and they couldn't get him out of the lineup. A formidable force for the Tigers. But the Tigers got rid of J.D. Martinez last week. Uh, They threw a towel in uh, on their season. Uh, They rented him out to the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks obviously got him for a wild-card playoff berth. They're in the hunt for the playoffs. But J.D., under pressure, became the fourth player in Major League history to hit two Grand Slam home runs in the same year in two different leagues. So that was awesome. Wow. And uh, he also had five home runs, 12 RBIs in nine games. Uh, He had 11 RBIs in six games. No one's ever done that uh, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So uh, even though I'm sure J.D. uh, believes he could have done better, he had his own week, and he's here in Chicago this week playing the Cubs. So I suspect he will have his own month of August and into September, hopefully leading the Diamondbacks into the playoffs. You know, pro athletes especially, uh, but all of us, right? It's amazing how much your life really does come down to some um, really specific key moments. And so the reason that JD is where he's at now, right, is, you know, hitting the zone on, uh, I mean, you know, it's a moment of truth, a few moments, a few moments helped him get to where he's at, which is amazing. Well, let me tell you about a moment I had. I'm 12 years old. Okay. I don't know anything about the zone. I'm in Appalachia in Kentucky. I'm on a green park bench in Central Park, Ashland, Kentucky. And I'm reading a tennis magazine. And this magazine is about two Italians that were my age. And they had written a diary for this monthly world magazine, world tennis magazine. They'd written a diary about their travels. So my mentor, Professor R.W. Ross, an 83-year-old African-American, he was my mentor. He sees me reading this magazine article, and he puts his hand on my shoulder and leans over and said, won't you play tennis with these boys? I go, what? What? How do you do that? I didn't know what he was talking about. He said, shut your eyes, unhinge your jaw, and play tennis with them. So I shut my eyes, and... I tapped a few tennis balls across the net to these two Italian players my age. I'd never met them and probably would never meet them. And they said, why don't you travel the world with them? I said, Professor, I've never been on an airplane. He said, don't you think it's about time? Shut your eyes and walk up the stairs, get into an airplane, and then see these two tennis players in the seats near you. Travel the world with them. There's no rules to being successful. But you got to see it, Jimmy. You got to see it in your mind. Now, I'm not going to tell you I thought about that 
every night that summer, but I thought about it, Seth, in an inordinate amount of time, and I visualized over and over, especially in the last 30 minutes before I went to sleep. Now, I thought about those two Italians for the next several years. You know what's ironic about that visualization? 12 years old, Central Park, back in the 60s, uh-huh. 14 years later, I coached Adriano Panata, Paolo Bertolucci to the World Davis Cup Finals against my own United States. And I got into a lot of airplanes and traveled the world with them. Those Holy were the cow. exact two players. How did that vision create the coincidence and the synchronicity for a poor little, uh, little boy in Appalachia? <laughs> uh, how did I get out of there to travel in the world with those two players? Visualization is so powerful. But you better think about what you think about because you can visualize negatives just as easy as you can visualize positives. So I had a similar, not that dramatic, but a pretty similar experience. Uh, Really fantastic high school basketball coach that changed my life. Um, And he told us a story. um, I know it's true. I don't have the specifics in front of me uh, about, uh, you know, John McCain's in the news um, right now for um, being diagnosed with brain cancer and, you know, famously was held as a prisoner and, and tortured for years and um, uh, an American uh, who was being held in Vietnam um, during the war actually decided that he was going to um, play golf in his head every day uh, for, you know, th- that's how he was going to you know keep himself mentally sharp. And so he would shoot 18 holes in his head every day, got out and played fantastic golf after years as a POW, um, you know, and keep in mind. He's not physically ready either because he's been malnourished. He's been through a lot of physical trauma. I took that story. Um, and the first half, like going into Christmas break of my senior year of basketball, I was 100% of free throws. I mean, the coach couldn't believe it. The team couldn't believe it. Somewhere over Christmas break, I got knocked out of that, that mindset. And I struggled with uh, free throws for about the next two months and then finally got it back. Um, so how does somebody get knocked off of visualization like that? Well, I, I think it's easy to get knocked off of being positive because we operate in a world of a lot of negatives and shoulda, coulda, woulda, and people going into the past. You know, the best in the world use visualization to prepare a pathway for their future. They need to see it in their own mind, which bolsters their belief and expectation. You know, the more you see something, the more you get comfortable with it. Yeah. and. You know, the best only go into the past for swift analysis or learning. Otherwise, you know, once they have that visualization, they lock into the moment and then allow it to happen, allow it to come to them. And the subconscious mind can do that. But we have usually we get in our own way. Uh, We start second guessing uh, shoulda, coulda and woulda. Those three characters, they're in every locker room, by the way, in every boardroom. They get in the way of our visualization. I should have done that. I could have done that. Those are negatives. And uh, we picture those just as readily as we picture uh, uh, doing really well in golf or whatever it might be. Well, and if I can give example of that negative um, visualization, right? You know, I, I'm really, really thankful for a lot of things I got to do in my 20s. So, you know, uh, we had a great season that year. I went on, I got to play college basketball because of that season. I um, got injured and pivoted into uh, broadcasting. 
Um, and, you know, I'm 28, 29 years old. Um, I, you know, I've gotten to do national television. I've gotten to work on an Emmy award winning show. Um, I've done network radio. I've written for. Um, Wait a minute. You're 28 right no, now? Not now. Not oh, now. I, I was going to say. <laughs> I was 28. I was, was going to say. I, I have a belt that old. But anyway. <laughs> all right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted. No problem. Um, you know, so I, I've gotten to do see and do so many things that I, I dreamed of as a kid and probably further than I'd visualized. And if you would have asked me right then, and I, I've, I've chosen to let this go, but I know in my late 20s, you know, um, six plus years ago, I could tell you which end, which game we were at, which end of the court we were at that half when I missed my first free throw. Like, I remembered that over... Um, so many other things I've forgotten. And I just, I held on to that thing for so long. Well, you, you not only held on to it, but I'm sure you replayed it over and over and over again. Uh, and if you replay that, especially before bedtime, when you go to sleep, the replay continues while you're uh, sleeping. Really? Uh, well, that's probably one of the secrets that I've used to help uh, so many athletes uh, set records. As a matter of fact, I've tucked in bed, not physically, <laughs> but I've been by, uh, by the bed in a chair doing guided imagery uh, at 1, 2.30 in the morning on the road uh, at, with an athlete. This person is visualizing the next day. They fall asleep. I let myself out. I, I can't tell you how many times I've done that. But visualization is even more impactful in the last 30 minutes before sleep. That's why you don't go to bed mad with a spouse. You need to really think about what you think about, especially in the last 30 minutes before you go to sleep. You know, um, the book isn't out yet. Uh, the book's coming out, uh, the blueprint's coming out this February. The blueprint. Um, and so my wife Amanda and I have started to kind of grab onto some of these pieces because the whole thing isn't out there yet, but we're rolling out these tools as we lead up to the book. And one of the things we've decided is that, you know, each of us have picked four goals for the next four months. Um, and that when we wake up in the morning and when we go to bed at night, we actually say them to each other um, just to keep them fresh, to keep them kind of out. In oh, front I, of each other. I, I like that. And, and I, I hope uh, that you say it as if it's so as it will be. Okay, un un unpack that for me, like what that looks like. Uh, I'm going to get in shape. I I'm going to get in shape. So what goes on the screen of space in my mind when I say I'm going to get in shape? Uh, it's a fat guy that needs to get in shape. And so the subconscious mind sees what I put in my mind on the screen. And the more I say that, I'm going to get in shape. I'm coming from a per, uh, place where I'm not in shape. That image over and over again has my subconscious going tomorrow morning. Come on, have a donut. What's the big deal? Because it <laughs> wants to be true to my mindset. So you need to be really careful what you think, what you say. Your words, your thoughts, they're powerful. So what do you do? You need to visualize. Being 20 pounds lighter. See yourself fit. I am fit. I am healthy. I am well. I had to see myself free of cancer without saying the C word is a skin cancer. I am healthy. I am well. And I'm improving every day. 
I never thought about what I had. I never thought about the C word in 30 days. In 30 days, using some other imagery called symbolic imagery, uh, it went away. And it really baffled uh, doctors at Loyola Hospital. So visualization, it's one of your most powerful tools. Here's why. Repeat after me, Seth. Okay. Subconscious mind. Subconscious mind. Does not know the difference. Does not know the difference. From fantasy or reality. From fantasy or reality. The subconscious mind does not know the difference. The subconscious mind does not know the difference. Between fantasy and reality. Now, let's say I, oh, man, I'm a little sleepy. I'm going to take a nap. I'll be right back, Seth. Don't don't go away. I'm just going to shut my eyes and I'm going to drift off into a sleep. Boy, I hope I don't have a nightmare. I hate when that happens. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. I, I wake up. I'm sweating. My, my hair's on end. My eyes are dilated. Oh, my gosh. I mean, this guy was chasing me with a knife. Wait a minute. My subconscious mind, are you telling me it didn't know the difference between fantasy and reality? So it actually thought? While I was asleep, somebody was chasing me, and it activated my body as if it was so, sweating profusely, breathing heavily. Muscles locked up. Muscles locked up, jaw tense, eyes dilated, and I jump out of bed looking under the bed, behind the curtains, there's nothing there. This is one little proof that the subconscious mind, which controls so many things in your life and actually will guide you to success or failure, it doesn't know fantasy or reality. So you got to flood your mind only with what you want, not what you don't want. And that's really one of my challenges with almost every client that I have. You know, that inner dialogue on how you talk to you. I, ta- I told a client last night, no names will be mentioned. You will know who this is. If I talk to you the way you talk to me, you'd fire my ass. That's what I told him. I said, if I talk to you the way you talk to me, you'd get rid of me. You've got to start talking to yourself like a champion, as if it's so. That's the power of visualization. Now, let me get in um, you know, kind of in the middle of the kind of conversations you have, because I know with a lot of professional athletes, you get brought in. Not because things are great. Like I, I'm going to go ahead and assume that most of the time you're not brought in because like, hey, we're the Cubs. We won the World Series. We want to win another one. Usually somebody's going to call you because it's like, I'm in a rut. I got benched. I'm behind in the tournament. My company's in trouble. Um, you know, and, and they're saying, I don't even know. How, like, you know, in those tense moments, I don't know how to do that. Like, I, you know, I, I've got I'm starting so far down. I have no skill here. I don't even know how to say to myself, you know, you're going to miss this three-point shot. The, you know, the, the inside fastball so, is going to uh, blow right by you. So you're telling me you're in a ditch. Yeah. You're falling yeah. in a ditch. So how do you get out of a ditch? Here's what I've learned. Here's how you get out of a ditch. I can uh, spin my wheels and try to get out of the ditch. I can fight and try to see if I can dig my own self out of the ditch. Of course, TRY is an acronym in my vernacular, T-R-Y to ruin yourself. So as I'm in that ditch trying, I'm thinking and getting frustrated because I'm not getting out of the ditch and I'm probably going to keep digging a deeper hole. I'll stay there. Now, I can also be pushed out of the ditch. So I can have a friend push me. But I found the best way to get out of a mental ditch is to be pulled out. Okay. 
and you're pulled out by a vision of a place and time in the future, something that you want, and you see it in finished state as if it's so. And you go to bed like that, you wake up like that, all of a sudden it starts pulling you toward manifestation of whatever that image is. And it will pull you out of that rut, out of that ditch. I've seen this over and over and over. You have to see what you want. Is that easy? Uh, Well, when you're losing and you're in the newspaper that you're uh, 0 for 20, uh, you know, and things aren't going well, you're being booed. It's not easy to see positives when everything around you is negative. I get that. But you still have free will. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about what happens with those negative voices, because, you know, whatever you're facing listening to this podcast, um, I'm guessing that you've had clients that have had it a lot worse. I, I think about um, LeBron James, uh, you know, loses, a, um, loses the finals with the Miami Heat when he goes down there. And um, on ESPN, a couple of the commentators are actually saying this is the biggest collapse in a final in a final situation we've ever seen in the history of sports, which is a journalist drives me nuts because I was like, there's no way you can quantify that. <laughs> How could you ever say exactly. for sure? Um, you know, but some of these athletes and professionals you're coaching maybe have to have to wait a year to prove themselves again. Right. And so th- on a lesser note, I think that translates into the boardroom, the sales team. Well, it does. And if you have abnormal dreams, Seth, you got to think in an abnormal way. You can't think like everyone else. And LeBron James does not think Think like like everyone else. else. He thinks in an abnormal way. Extreme positivity. Extreme. You know, it's August. And it's the beginning of August. There's tens of thousands of Zoniacs that on July 31st, they were visualizing the greatest month of August they've ever had in their life. Now, I've had that exercise since 1974, never missed a last day of the month to visualize my next month as if it's so. So what do I visualize? Well, I don't go through all, all the days in August, but I'll see one, two, no more than four or five macro items that will be accomplished in August. So I project myself to the end of August, and I'm happy. I'm excited. I just had the greatest August in my life. What do I need to accomplish to make that so? And boom, there are those two, three, four things. When I do those things, what an August I had. Never have a month you haven't already had. You know, you visualize more than half of your waking hours. Don't you think it's time to start visualizing in a proactive, synchronized manner? It's going to benefit you, your family, your relationships, your friends, your career. You got to see it as if it's so. You know, I told this story. It's uh, infamous, I think, this story. I've told it for 40 years, but. Uh, I, I was coaching the third best tennis player in the world. And we go to a tournament in San Francisco. And uh, the number one player and the num- number two player in the world, they're not there. Thank goodness. Those guys took a lot of my money out of my pocket. So we get to the tournament. My guy's the top player. Uh, first round, we beat a guy. I don't remember. We crush him. Second round, we beat another guy. We crush him. 
I get 15%, by the way, Seth, a little side <laughs> note. And since my guy was at the top, this has none to the story. I had backstage passes to the Rolling Stones, and I drank champagne with mixed girl Jerry Hall. Has nothing to do with the story. <laughs> but, but it's it, pretty but cool. Yeah, I had to throw it in. It, you know, I have good visualization about uh, that occurring. Anyway, we now get into the quarterfinals, uh, and, and my, you know, my guy, three in the world, and I go to see he's going to play. He's going to play this red-headed, left-handed, kind of a jerky guy. Uh, I'd never seen him before. He's new on the tour, uh, but he's in the quarter, so he must be pretty good. But I do my due diligence. The next day, the match begins, and there he is, the red-headed, left-handed guy playing my guy, and Seth, he's good. Now, this guy was ranked 223 in the world. My guy's three in the world, 223 in the world. He starts spanking my guy. Which, this is like an upset. This isn't even like the bottom NBA team beating the Warriors. This is like uh, junior college knocking off oh, the I, Warriors. I, yeah, I, I, I'm like, what, what's going on? And, uh, you know, it's a little embarrassing. But the, And the guy's a jerk. I mean, the guy yells at an umpire, uh, hits a ball at a ball girl, whacks all the flowers off a flower box. And he proceeded to absolutely punish my guy. Match is over uh, on the pro tour. When you lose, you cruise. Boom. We're out of there. Another city. Now, fast forward 12 years. I'm having dinner in Chicago with my best friend. So my best friend, Peter Fleming, coached him eight years on the tour. He won four Wimbledon titles with his doubles partner, John McEnroe. So McEnroe is also at at the dinner with me. And I turned to Junior, John McEnroe Jr. I turned to Junior and said, do you remember when I met you uh, in that tournament in San Francisco? And he looked at me and he goes, yeah, when I killed killed that Italian guy you coached. (laughs) I'm like, how'd you do that? I mean, you were 223 in the world. My guy was three in the world. How did you do that? And McEnroe turned, stopped, put his fork down. He looked me dead in the eye and he said, I was number one in the world. My ranking just hadn't caught up yet. And I was like, wow, wow. In his mind, he visualized, I am number one in the world. My ranking just hadn't caught up yet. And he went on and became number one in the world. You know, you've got to be it, see it, think it, feel it. Long before you get the accolades. I, I got another one. I'm, I'm coaching uh, in uh, Puerto Rico. And uh, the receptionist knows that I'm coaching the CEO. Oh, hi, Mr. Fannin. Good morning. As I walk in to uh, and meet the CEO and my client. And I turned to her. I, I knew how much money she made. She made entry-level money. I said, hey, let me ask you a question. Would you like to make $25 an an hour? She perked up real fast. She stood up straight and she goes, yeah, absolutely. And I said, would you come in early? And and would you leave late? And would you work weekends and every now and then forgo your vacation for $25 an hour? Absolutely. Now, this is going to be double what she makes, right? Double. Absolutely. I said, well, let me get this straight. You're going to come in early. You're going to leave late. You work weekends. You'll forgo a vacation every now and then. Will you do that with what you're making right now? And she looked at me and she goes, no way. I said, well, that's why you're never going to make $25 an hour. 
you got to be a $25 an hour person long before I can convince the CEO to pay you $25. That kind of brings it all the way back to no matter what your lot in life, visualize what you want. Make it yeah. realistic. You know, you know, I'm Seth, I mean, I know you played sports, but I'm probably not going to get you to win the PGA championship in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, I haven't really played golf, so that would be that would be stunning. <laughs> that would be stunning. I mean, you, you know, all the visualization in the world, you know, as we say in Kentucky, you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. You know, so uh, <laughs> my mother taught me that at a young age. I'm not sh- sure what that means. But, and for uh, everybody else outside of Kentucky, you probably haven't haven't heard that one. Yeah, that's a new one. But anyway, that that those are sayings of, of my uh, kin back in the hills. But you can make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. Actually, I met someone who actually had made a silk purse out of a sow's ear. It was pretty amazing. It looked like a sow's ear, uh, a pig. <laughs> so it was, it was a joke. And uh, when he brought it in, you can do that. But you got to see what you want. And I think that's the toughest thing for people is to see things in finished state when it's obviously not in reality. Now, we're going to get into um, we're going to get in some questions people have emailed in. But, I, you know, um, as a journalist, I've just been observing this week, uh, and I wanted to throw a couple scenarios at you of of things that I saw. Right uh, before we get into uh, listener questions, by the way, you can always shoot those over. Ask Jim at jimfannon dot com, and uh, you can you can get some uh, you know personalized world class coaching for free. Um, the first one is that uh, you know the the city I'm in, I, I think, is in the zone. Kenosha, Wisconsin, just announced Foxconn, the company that um, uh, builds uh, the iPhone, uh, is going to open a um, a factory there to make flat screen TVs. Um, That's so, awesome. I know, hope that uh, I hope that manifests. I really do. But it si- sounds good. Yeah, city of uh, about a hundred thousand. Um, you know, probably fifteen thousand new jobs in four years that's crazy right um as a result my wife and i are like okay we probably better go ahead and buy a house before these things just aren't on the market anymore um it should never be there's i don't think there's ever been a better time to be a real estate uh agent in our area and so you know we're, we're looking at houses i'm on a business call and amanda runs in with this house and we pull up and it um, you know, if this house was somebody you're you're coaching, it is it's a challenge. Uh, it's a person with a lot of challenges, but it's right by Lake Michigan, and there's only so much lakefront in the world. Right? Uh, location, location, yeah. location. Yeah. Um, this had more than we were willing to do, uh, but for the right person, I mean, this is a great, um, you know, great opportunity, and, and it wasn't represented well on the website. Um, much much rougher than like you know they kind of doctored the photos up to look. I, you know, I'm on the phone with the windows down, finishing up a business call. I can kind of hear Amanda talking to the real estate agent. The real estate agent is defeated. Uh, I mean, obviously, she doesn't want this property. She's phoned it in, but I, I can see it. You just have to have the right person that realizes they can get something really cheap on the lakefront that's going to be worth a lot more money in a few years. Well, and she I, was just I, hanging her head. And I, it's like, I, I want to help you not be like this. I, I think the great real estate agent the great salesperson is painting pictures and they're placed strategically into the prospect's mind. And you walk them into the future, into this awesome remodeled house, just a block from the lake. Uh, great views, great schools. You've got to see it as if it's so. And that's, that is the job. And share of a great, it if it's so, right? Oh, yeah. And that's the great job of a salesperson is to 
place those images in my mind to get me thinking about it. Now I'm going to go up there and buy that house. I'm fired up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I could just feel it um, from the porch. And especially since, you know, since these methods and these tactics and meeting you, I could feel it from a first, the first words out of this real estate agent's mouth. It's like, man, she just really phoned this one in. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, Amanda could have said uh, in her mind, Oh, this is going to be too much work. Seth and I are going to be at odds with each other. But have you ever put up wallpaper with your wife? That's something you probably should never do. Always hire that out. It's very <laughs> frustrating. But, you know, she may have sent out the negative vibe. This is too much for us. And uh, thoughts are contagious. As a matter of fact, subconscious minds communicate intuitively with other subconscious minds. So putting the right image in your mind can translate to an image of the same kind of someone else. You know, I'm, I'm going to marry my two, um, my two stories together of what I saw this week. Cause I, I think that that um, will apply to both situations. Um, you know, talking to my best friend on the phone who uh, his mother-in-law is not the easiest person to have a good relationship with. Uh, hold up, Seth. Okay. I think, there's a real estate rush, kind of a gold rush going on in Kenosha right now. Uh, Once this is out, you you knew, no, not just because of the building, everybody's going to rush to Kenosha. You need to buy this place like tomorrow. Yeah, we're, we're working on that this week. Um, you know, so let's say Amanda shows up with a negative thought. Subconscious minds, you know, are, um, you know, reading below what we can process, you know, because our brains are so much you know bigger than what we use, right? Um, I also have uh, talked to my best friend this week. His mother-in-law is just a, just a tough person to have a relationship with. Like when, we, when he was getting married, I showed up two days early to, you know, kind of hang out and go do guy stuff for the wedding, go ride some go-karts or just goof off. And she hands me a schedule. She has scheduled out my time from Wednesday through Saturday uh, when the wedding is. And I mean, including broken down into 15 minute increments of when I shower like when I wake up, when I shower, when I eat breakfast. Well, there goes I, the bachelor party. I, I know. Just for the record, I'm 22 years old. I have a lot of practice at feeding myself breakfast. Like I, I probably can handle this, right? Um, talk to me about visualization in in both of those things. It's like you got a difficult mother-in-law coming in, and you've got or and or you know you've got a person who's a prospective buyer who has just got the most sour attitude walking into this. Um, what does visualization look like here? Well. A little background on on how the brain works. Every thought you have is being broadcast. So every thought can be measured on a machine in the hospital called an encephalograph. You know, you can see the waves going up and down on the machine. And this is like, um, if if I can help the audience, because I'm not sure. This is sort of like what you see like in police shows, lie detector tests. Yeah, I I, I, hook you up in electrodes and uh, it's... uh, uh, recording the brain waves of all my thoughts, and every thought is an action. And we know from physics that for every action, there's a reaction. Thoughts, however, are a little bit different. Every thought you have has three simultaneous reactions. Okay. Three. So if I'm sad, I have a physical reaction. Oh wow, Jim looks Jim looks sad. Uh, Jim, you all right? No, I'm good. Something bothering you, you know? You can read my body language. Every thought has a physical reaction. Now, you can block it and mask it and be poker face. That's possible. But most of us have a physical reaction to our thoughts. 
every thought that I have also can trigger natural chemicals in, in my body. So if I start laughing about something, dopamine is fuel injected into the bloodstream, and I start picturing positive things, and I start laughing. You know, every which, thought has an emotional reaction. And the third reaction, Seth, every thought I have has an intuitive vibe that can be picked up. Okay, tell me about that. I can be thinking about something, and all of a sudden you turn and change the subject, and I was just thinking about that. That coincidence happens to us all the time. It was a coincidence, but there are no coincidences. Every thought has a physical, emotional, and intuitive reaction. So you send off vibes. If someone is negative with you, I need to see them positive. If I want to change them, let's say that I'm a coach and there's a player with amazing talent, but he's obviously not playing well and he's on the bench. But I start visualizing that player as an all-star and I see it. No one else sees it. And I start this player. I put him in the game. That player more than likely will respond to me because of the pictures I'm sending out of him being successful. A great teacher sees an A student when the student's actually failing. And I think right now, if you have uh, someone that reports to you at work, Mm -hmm. you have some employees and got a couple people that you manage, there's probably one or two that are pains in the ass and uh, really not pulling their weight, maybe not hitting the uh, uh, standards of the company. And it's easy to just drop your head in your hands at this point and be like, oh, oh well, I don't know what to do. Yeah, this guy's driving me nuts, you know, he's, he's a slacker. I and mean, we, we think like this a lot because it's right there in front of us. We see it. But if you want to influence someone to change in a positive way, you have to see them in that mindset before it's actually going to happen. And I know one of the things that you've done, Seth, you did this, I, I know, with your wife. Before you were married, you started seeing her during the day and picturing her in a positive light, giving her a hug in Absolutely. your mind. You weren't around physically, but mentally you were sending the vibes. And one of you eventually saw shared vision. One of you did it first. Well, I'd, I'd like to live with her. I'd like to raise a family with her. One of you did that first, sent that vibe. Then the other sent it. Now you have shared vision together. You haven't even talked about it. And then it slowly finds its way into the conversation. You know, unfortunately, we hadn't met, so I, I forgot to visualize us agreeing on what kind of couch to buy. You know, two years of marriage, and it's the one thing we can't we can't figure out now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> We're I, talking about the wallpaper thing. I, I think you need to keep visualizing. <laughs> we need to work on that. We need big that couch. L-shaped couch. We as need, big as possible. <laughs> and, and it's going to be her idea. It's going <laughs> to pop into her head. You're going to walk in. There's an L-shaped couch. That's how it works. You know what? We need to try this as a test. We need to get you an L-shaped couch. I'm going to start visualizing you sitting on an on L-shaped, L-shaped couch. couch. You know, if I can, by the lake, by the way, by the lake, and then in that house that you've remodeled. Let me um, let me take this into the workplace or into you know maybe a volunteering situation, a social situation. Everybody, I think, can picture somebody they know that says, "Oh man, well, person A." is just so difficult to work with. But they're so difficult in this, you know, on this volunteer board. They're so difficult socially. 
But you know what? Person B over here is like the one person that knows how to like get something out of them. I, I mean, I, I think that falls in the visualization category, right? That well, person is doing something uh, else. That that person is seeing solutions. That person is seeing how things might be, could be, will be. And they're seeing it as if it's so. Uh, this type of person in an organization is going to take that organization uh, to another level, to a different place. These are visionaries. And it's all the way down to how you even visualize the pieces on the chessboard, not just the overall game. Okay, tell me about, tell me about what that looks like. Uh, the pieces on the chessboard, how do we do that? Well, I, I know that when I coached nine players on the Cleveland Indians in 1997, that the Cleveland Indians management made an announcement to the team, we're going to the World Series. This was in spring training. Now, I, I might tell you, it wasn't to win the World Series. We're going to the Two. World Series. That was the vision. And then a lot of teams have that vision. But nine players that I coached broke it down into what they needed to do to make that vision collectively happen. And so they visualized selfishly their own performance as if it was so. They were prepared every single day. Never heard them talk about the opposition. Never heard them talk about anything negative in that 1997 locker room. Not once. Ironically, they make it to the World Series. They lose in the seventh game. And what they didn't realize, they were the most successful they could be because their vision was not to win at all. It was to get to the World Series. And once it got there, they'd stop visualizing uh-oh, what do I do now? I, I've seen that with a lot of my clients. You know, getting there is one thing. Staying there and thriving, that's a whole different paradigm of visualization. You know, I think baseball is so unique in this, in this um, element because, you know, we're talking about over 100 games a year, so much time on airplanes, so much time, you know, just crashing in another hotel room. There's so much to frustrate you, annoy you, distract you from where you are going. You know, probably different than any other sport because it's just so long and so grinding. Um, that that really takes. I think we say it maybe takes some more mental energy than than other. Well, I things. think it takes uh, discipline. It takes yeah. mental discipline. And and the one thing I realize is that repetition, without repetition, which takes discipline to be repetitive. But without repetition, most visions will not turn into fruition. That repetition puts stress on the subconscious mind over and over again. So if I, I see something that I want, let's take the book, The Blueprint. Well, I was having a conversation with Matt Goggin, a PGA player, and we were talking about my next book. I had no title, nothing. He said. Well, you know, you're always creating blueprints for everybody. Why don't you just call it the blueprint? And all of a sudden I went, wow, I like that. And I just kind of tucked it into my mind. But the blueprint book really didn't start turning into real pages inside of a book until I visualized people not only buying the book, reading it, and changing their lives. It wasn't about selling the book. The goal wasn't about writing the book. It was about help, helping people that read the book use it to improve their own life. 
Once I started visualizing that, the pages of the book just started flowing out of my mind as if I I wasn't even writing it. It was like something took over my hands, and uh, I, I wrote many chapters where I wasn't even sure what I wrote until I went back and looked at it, almost an out-of-body of experience. But I had envisioned exactly what I wanted from the book long before the book actually found its way to the written page. Now, I want to jump into these um, because I love seeing people get world-class coaching, um, you know, right here on the podcast. But if we can maybe just do a quick recap on, you know, how to do this, if you're doing great this week, if you're in a rut this month or this year, um, the takeaway on visualization is you got to see it. And, um, you know, and the, the subconscious mind, right, has has doesn't, no difference doesn't, between doesn't fantasy that, and reality. Doesn't, yeah, so you need to be careful what you think. There's four different types of visualization. There's task imagery, okay, and that's me making an eight-foot putt over and over and over again, opening a speech, opening a meeting, having a conversation with someone I'm in conflict, seeing the opening over and over how I'm going to open. Task imagery. Then there's situational imagery. It's the same task. But now I paint the conditions and, and the circumstances. Uh, so it, same eight-foot putt, but it's at the Masters on the last day. Now that's a different putt. That's situational imagery. Then there's symbolic imagery, and, and our dreams are made up of symbolic imagery. And I, I can symbolize, uh, well, in, in my getting rid, rid of cancer, I started visualizing a Pac-Man eating cancer cells. That's symbolic imagery, for an example. And then there's the aftermath, which I just explained. You not only want to reach the goal, what happens after you reach it? That's where a lot of people really fail. I've had a couple of clients that didn't use, uh, much to my chagrin, and theirs, they didn't use the aftermath. aftermath imagery, is, okay, now what do I do next? Uh, 83% of the world visualize through their own eyes as if they're doing it in real time. 15% see it up above, looking down like on a movie set, typically from the right creative side of your brain. So you're kind of seeing yourself do it, not through your own eyes. And then there's 1% or 2% that report to me, I, I can't see anything. I, I, I can't see any pictures. So they're struggling to even put an image on the screen of space in their mind. What I found out is that all three of those actually work. Most people do it through their own eyes. Uh, a few see it from above. And the ones that don't see anything, it's still there in your subconscious picture. You just don't see the picture. But it's been embedded, and your subconscious can pick it up. Um, you have to think about what you think about. You want to see things in finished state, no matter how you visualize. And... Um, I would visualize definitely in the last 30 minutes before sleep because it's going to be recorded by your subconscious and replayed 15 to 20 times during the night. Think about this, Seth. I visualize an eight-foot putt right to left going into the cup, and I can hear it. What a glorious sound to hear the ball go into the cup. And I visualize that. Yeah. If I drift off to sleep, that's going to be replayed while I'm in a deep rim state. 15 to 20 times. What, what happens if I visualize 10 putts in a row? 10 times 15 to 20. So I can actually go to sleep, wake up, and I'm a better putter. And I physically didn't hit a putt. 
And that's what happened to the guy in Vietnam. He was visualizing, and by the way, I know that story. You know, you know what he was visualizing? Play, playing Pebble Beach. He was a scratch golfer, and after he came out of the hospital, recovered physically, the first time he played, he played Pebble Beach, shot a 68. Wow. Now, I took that same story, and I told John Cook that story in 1980. And John Cook, a PGA player, he was a rookie that year, never won a golf tournament. He came to my house in the dead of winter, and I said, uh, ship your clubs on to California, his next tournament, which was at Pebble Beach. Ship your clubs there, but come up to my house for three or four days. Bring a putter and a golf ball. And we, all we did was visualize playing Pebble Beach. And he did putt in a cup on the carpet of my home. Didn't pick up a club. All mental, except for the putting. And then he goes to California, kind of an unconventional practice, wouldn't you say? And he wins his first tournament in a historic five-person playoff. I think Johnny Miller and Jack Nicklaus were in that playoff. That was his first win. He saw it in his mind before it actually happened. See it as if it's so. See it as it will be. Let's go ahead and jump into some questions here. Expert coaching uh, for you from Jim. Just for sending the email over. Um, Ask Jim at jimfannon.com. That's ask Jim at jimfannon.com. It could be a deeper dive into a visualization or it could just be, hey, what do I do with this? Um, so let's, let's go ahead and start right here. Uh, you know, I read this email and I, um, I, I have seen this situation so many times. I have a relative who's the only junior high basketball coach in the Illinois Basketball Hall of Fame uh, for winning multiple state titles. And he, he got offers from colleges and he just, loves coaching junior high kids. And one of the things he told me about it is said by the time they, you know, start getting towards high school, they have all these distractions and it's just so much fun to work uh, with athletes that man, they're, they are, he didn't say in the zone. Um, but you know, th- that's what he was getting at. Like, this is so much fun. Jim, my 14 year old has always been a very focused kid. Great in school, great in basketball, solid in baseball. However, he's at that age where um, his friends are now becoming obsessed with girls, cars, and social status. Of course, uh, wanting to be the coolest kid in your high school isn't really a goal that's going to get you anywhere in life. How do I help him set long-term goals and rise above the drama as he heads into high school here in just a couple weeks? Vision night. Vision night. Vision night, Seth. You got to have vision night and your family. Vision night. Here's what you do. I'd start early. I'm talking five years old, six years old, vision night. Everybody participates in making dinner. If you want to bring it in, that's fine. Turn off the lights, put on some candles. Everybody around the dinner table, which is unusual. We don't always eat dinner with each other anymore. That's, uh, uh, I'm sad about that. Yeah. But here you are at vision night. Every person in the room, adults and kids, talk about their vision. It could be something small. I visualize making straight A's. Dad, I I visualize a hostile takeover of this new company (laughs) I'm at. Whatever it is, there's no rules to success. All family members individually share a vision, something that they 
want to make happen in the future, and they talk about it, nothing's off the table. When everyone's finished, everybody can talk about it, no laughing, you know, nothing's uh, uh, too lofty, uh, nothing's too crazy in Vision Night. And then the family visualize together, what can we do to make our community better? And let's visualize it. Visualize our vacation, where we're going to go. But everybody participates. Once a month, I'm recommending a decree. It's monthly vision night. You pick the night, but that's what I recommend. Because what it does, it's not putting the onus on that kid. Uh, It's putting the onus on every family member. Now, the other thing, Seth, is uh, at some point, the peer group thoughts have more power than the thoughts of mom and dad. Okay. So uh, you need to be really careful who your kids are hanging out with. Mom's right. You know, mom was always right. Uh, You are uh, who your friends are. Look in the mirror. That's you. You're your friends. So uh, parents need to be very aware of that. Meet the parents of your friends, uh, your, your son or daughter's friends. Go meet their parents. Acorns don't fall far from the tree. Find out who they are. But uh, again, positive visualization, it can definitely start at home in the family. Second question coming in here. Jim, my husband and I had a great marriage for four years and we're ecstatic to learn we were pregnant with our first daughter. However, now she's eight months old um, and we have yet to regain our rhythm as a couple. We're thrilled to be parents, but also exhausted between two jobs and a baby that requires our attention. By the time she goes to bed, it feels like we usually collapse on the couch in front of the TV for an hour and then drag ourselves to bed just to do it all over again. We're in a rut. What do we do? Well, I think this is pretty commonplace. Um, I, I understand it, uh, especially when there's a a new person in the house that's yeah. getting all the attention. You know, shared vision brought that couple together, and the lack of shared vision will tear them apart. I think in the last 30 minutes, uh, I would not talk about the kid, the baby, in the last 30 minutes. Uh, I would not talk about money. I would not talk about the job. And you're thinking... All right, well, what's there to talk about? <laughs> Those are all the things. <laughs> and and so you don't even have to talk. But, you know, I, I would have that alone, silent time in the last three, uh, 30 minutes. Uh, you can talk sweet nothings to each other. Uh, but that's where I would have shared vision. You know, I, I love you more today than ever before. Uh, just little sweet nothings that you can say, little positives. But again... Shared vision brought you together. The lack of it will take you apart. So it's not about me on how I feel. It's not about you on how you feel. It's how we feel together. So I, I need to see, uh, you know, my significant other laughing, happy, positive. Try that out when you're in the middle of a quarrel and she's upset, ready, you know, ready to do whatever. She's upset. I like to shut my eyes and just see her happy and smiling. I'll even start smiling. That drives my wife absolutely <laughs> batty. But, you know, it, it's, you know, you have influence, especially on your significant other. If you're driving your car, be careful in doing this exercise, but shut your eyes, unhinge your jaw, relax your tongue, let it float in your mouth. 
You want to get your breathing when you visualize down to six to eight breaths a minute. Uh, your brain goes into an alpha state, so it's very amenable to suggestion. So that's the purpose of the relaxation. And then just go through the different arenas of your life. And there's somebody that maybe is giving you a hard time at work. There's somebody that's not clicking on all cylinders in your family. Or maybe you're having a challenge with a significant other. Things aren't really clicking. Shut your eyes and see that person smiling. See that person happy. See that person successful. You know, that's something that's probably foreign. You've been seeing that person negative, not doing well, being a slacker, hanging out with the wrong kind of kid, you know? Start seeing them in the most positive light, and you're sending out that vibe. They'll pick up that vibe. See them as if it's so. See them as it will be. Visualize what you want. Not what you don't want. And of course, we're going to be back next week with uh, more tools and tactics, just like some of the top uh, titans of industry and some of the top um, uh, athletes in the world use. But before we, we, we get out here, we got to stop into the Zone Cafe because wherever you're at, wherever you're going, you, you need to order something, right? Oh, you got to be hungry. There's only five things on the menu. And these five uh, dishes, if you will, these five meals are so tasty. but I don't know what you need right now, but you got to pick one. Do you need self-discipline? So pull on up to the drive-up cafe. Do you need self-discipline, the willingness, commitment to stay with the task, to reach a well-defined goal? Or do you need a big bucket of concentration? You know, something that's going to help you really focus mental and physical focus on the task at hand. Or maybe you need a barrel of optimism. I'd love to have a barrel of optimism where you have this feeling that nothing can go wrong, belief, expectancy, a sense of knowing, or maybe you need a plate. Actually, let's make it a drink, a big drink of relaxation. You know, so soothing when you sip on it, makes you peaceful, calm, free from anxiety or worry. Would you like to order that? Or maybe you'll order a big slab of enjoyment, and that's that satisfaction or pleasure from doing the tasks that lead you to the goals. What do you need this week? Do you need self-discipline? Do you need concentration? Do you need optimism? Do you need relaxation? Or do you need enjoyment? All you got to do is order, and it's right here for you for the taking so that you can get balanced with your score level, attract the zone, and make things happen in your life. And once you order that, uh, another thing that you can do is, of course, pass along this podcast episode to somebody else that may also need something like that, which is probably just about anybody in your life. We'll be back with uh, more of the stuff that makes the most successful people in the world the most successful people in the world next week. Well, listen, I'm Jim Fannin. This has been the Jim Fannin Show. You're with my sidekick, Seth Hurd. Seth, you're awesome. You're in the zone today. I like that. You need to go for more swims in Lake Michigan. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to next week. We're going to have a great show. I'd like to talk a little bit about concentration, something that's fleeting in society. I think concentration, how, how we hold the thought, it's starting to drop like a stone. You know, our, our minds uh, are easily disturbed. And maybe it doesn't have to go extinct in the iPhone era. I, I, I hope not. So let's have a concentration. And for everyone that's been listening, I hope you have an awesome vision night. Have a great week. Be in the zone. 
It's the only place to be. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. Radio Influence.